to NURFM and today as we talk travel, something a little different. We're coming to you live from Travel World on King and welcome Barry Warwick. Thank you Jane, it's nice of you to drop in and um, visit us. So airline news, it's always in the topics. Airline news and airline safety I think is always important and there's a lot of people out there that just are scared to fly Um, and I thought I'd share with them some statistics that uh, may make it a little bit uh, of a happy occasion for them to fly. Uh, in 2012, Western-built jets, now we're talking, you know, your Boeing, uh, Airbuses, uh, those type of aircraft, uh, you had one chance in 5 million flights, so imagine how many passengers on each flight, but one chance in 5 million that the aircraft would have a uh, an issue where um, it was anything approaching a crash. Not necessarily a, a crash. Dangerous crash, but um, just a, an ac- what they class as a, a major accident. One in five million. One in five million. So we need to think about uh, car accidents, and maybe that's not too bad a statistic. I, I think that that's an excellent statistic. Um, you know, all up, particularly with um, uh, chances on the car. I don't know what they would be, but I would say they'd be probably about one in every ten thousand, or even even greater than that. Um, anyway, this, the, the IATA, uh, which is the main airline governing body, uh, they've got 240 plus member airlines and they had no accidents at all. So the um, area where safety is an issue, uh, and even then it's, um, it only lowers the, the accident rate to 2.7 uh, worldwide, is in Africa. Okay. So, uh, and in Africa, you've got varying standards. For example, uh, some countries in Africa are very safe, uh, but there are others that you need to be a little bit careful on. Sounds like something to take advice on. Hmm. Um, I think so. But, you know, flying is a very safe uh, occupation. Now, I thought I'd also share with you, um, seeing as we're we're into the um, safety and security, uh, I recently was travelling in the US and um, I know that security is always an issue in the United States. So I got to the airport bright and early and I was there one and three quarter hours before my domestic flight, so it wasn't even an international flight, um, and had a little bit of a difficulty because the, the um, with the automatic check-in, my name wasn't coming up. So I went and saw them at the counter and they assured me that, yes, my name was there and everything was okay, sent me back, gave me a different number to punch in, still wouldn't work. Um, and then eventually, um, when that wasn't, and I sought the help of a couple of people at the airline counter, they sent me to another counter where they uh, eventually issued boarding passes but uh, bumped me to a later flight. So just bear in mind that when travelling in the United States, you do have to get there a minimum of two hours, even for a domestic flight. Right, yes. Um, some other little bits and pieces that you may be um, interested in as well is that uh, I travelled on uh, Spirit Airlines, which is one of the low-cost carriers over there. Now, I was carrying... Um, a, well, my wife had a um, bag which had wheels on it. Now, we were advised that we could, as we checked in, pay $50 to have that bag 
taken into the cabin or alternatively um, we could wait, take our chances when we actually boarded the aircraft and the price would have gone up to $100. So it's just, uh, I, I guess it's a, an important um, thing to check with the airline that you're travelling on just what their baggage restrictions are because every airline is slightly different in how they charge for their baggage, whether they allow you to take baggage on. And this was um, this was a normal cabin bag. It was actually a small cabin bag. My backpack that I had, which wasn't a chargeable item, uh, was actually larger than my wife's, but because it had wheels, they that was their criteria, and there was a charge for taking it on board the aircraft. And there's such a popular item at the moment; those bags. They're so easy, the Fido's to to well, drag behind you. That's that's right. So do check. The, do check, and the benefit is that there was plenty of luggage space because everyone had taken um, taken notice that you can't just carry on a bag onto this particular airline. Mm. Uh, and we've probably all experienced airlines where everybody gets on and they're carrying bags that you wonder why, whether they'd fit in the hold, let alone fit in the uh, the cabin. And you, do. you know you can't find cabin space. So there's... You know, there's an upside as an well. Upside. Now, just quickly, pocket knives, of course, have always been a no-no. Well, ever since strict security came in, they've been a no-no on aeroplanes. They certainly have. And it's, the US is now contemplating allowing the carrying of um, pocket knives um, onto an aircraft or knives that don't have a, a um, fixed blade. So there's certain criteria around it. It's only a proposal at this stage, but uh, it's, it's a watch an, this space. It's a watch this space, <laughs> but it's pretty amazing because this will be the first time since 9/11 um, that they've allowed pocket knives to go onto aircraft. To NURFM and travel is the topic. Thanks to our sponsor, Travel World on King. And today, as a special, we are coming to you live from Travel World on King. Barry Warwick with us, and we're off to. We're off to Puerto Rico. Um, now, it's technically part of the United States, but it's not actually a state of the United States. So I suppose it's called a protectorate, although um, there is there are moves there for it to become part of uh, the United States. Now, Puerto Rico, uh, from the name, uh, it's a Spanish name meaning rich port, uh, actually refers to the island, and San Juan is actually the capital of uh, Puerto Rico. It was a Spanish um, protectorate or a Spanish colony, and um, it has a beautiful fort in the city of San Juan. And the, the old um, the old city of San Juan is a delightful small city that you can wander around. There's a free trolley that you can get around the city as well. Uh, and there are actually two forts that protect the headland there. And uh, I couldn't believe how massive these forts were. You know, you sort of know that uh, these islands had their protection, but uh, this one is a particularly well-preserved and well-presented um, 
tourist attraction that you can see. Is there much Spanish Spanish influence in the city? Um, there is. It, it's uh, the language is really Spanish, and you know, while everyone also understands English, Spanish is really the um, the main language. And we actually caught a cruise out of um, Puerto Rico or out of San Juan, and around the the Caribbean. And I was actually amazed at just how many Spanish people were on board, and also French speaking. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say that it was prof- probably uh, about twenty percent French speaking, forty uh, percent Spanish speaking, and about forty percent English speaking. So it was just a little bit of an eye opener because I think that we're here. We expect that when we get on a vessel, it's usually you know the majority English speaking. So. A little bit of a difference. Yeah. So where is it actually relative to mainland US? Um, it's just really not that far, probably about an hour and a half flight from um, Miami, so just into the Caribbean. And the reason that I chose to uh, depart from San Juan was that it meant that I got extra days cruising in the Caribbean, so I got to take in that one extra island, whereas if I'd gone out of um, either Fort Lauderdale or Miami, um, I would have had two days at sea. And while I enjoy my cruising, I also enjoy the ability to pot around the, the ports of call that we had. And most of the ports of call, it was easy to pick up once you got off the ship. You could pick up a taxi uh, and do your own little private sightseeing tour, uh, except for Guadeloupe, which is a, a French um city and there I would recommend that you definitely do do a, um, a shore excursion from the ship because the while it's a, a fairly big and well populated island it's still got um, issues in terms of just picking up transport as soon as you arrived and because it's French speaking and I don't speak French that made it a little bit harder to negotiate with taxi drivers but we uh, ended up going on a tour with some other French-speaking people, and they were having difficulty as well. Mm. But there's some beautiful little islands in the the Caribbean, and we went to St. Martin. Now it's half Dutch and half French influence, and it's a really pretty little island, well set up for the tourists. It's got um, good port facilities for getting on and off the ship. So it was a you know one of those really great ports that you can visit so so lots of different countries have obviously wanted a piece of the Caribbean over the years yeah well it uh, I guess it was the entrance to South America and uh, Central America and also North America so it had there were a lot of riches for the Spanish and British and Dutch to Portuguese to plunder so it does have a lot of influences and so it's really interesting just to see those varying uh, and I definitely recommend a Caribbean cruise. Thank you Barry Warwick. Thank you Jane and thank you for coming and visiting us. (laughs) And we will talk travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news. Been great to be here Barry on 2NURFM.